Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. Today's special guest, we've got the Kiwi Dr. Frankenstein, Eugene Behrman, and his monster, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. Adesanya. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank Thanks, guys. Thank, thanks for the intro. It's great to have you. Yeah, all I could think, um, Izzy, after your fight when you were crediting the team, having known a little bit about your background and how close you guys are, all I could think was they've created a monster in New, in New Zealand. Eugene and the guys at City Kickboxing have created a, a Dr. Frankenstein's monster here. This guy looks to be unbeatable yeah. at this point. Yeah, one of a few. One of a few. Like, we've got a few killers in the, in, in the, in the pipeline coming out. We've got a few killers coming up, but yeah, I'm just the one with the belt right now, so the light's on me, but we've even got another champion, Alex Volkanovsky, the UFC featherweight champion from our stable. He he trains in Australia, but he does his camps with us, so he's one of our teammates, so yeah, man, uh, we're still working. Well, Eugene, congratulations. I know just from that, Israel, and um, Eugene, that... You can have a great talent, and obviously Israel is a special talent, but somebody has to develop that talent and help develop that talent. And I know in my business, I speak frankly, and sometimes people get a little upset, but mm. I'm not going to stop now. I'm getting too old to stop now. Um, Go for it. <laughs> yeah. But you get a lot of guys that they're so-called trainers and they'll say, go do 10 rounds there, five rounds there, six rounds there, you know, and I'll see you in a little while. And But there's not a lot of teachers. And it's pretty obvious to me that you have a teacher with you, with Eugene. Um, and to me, that's what it's supposed to be about, uh, about teaching technique and about understanding the mental landscape. If you don't understand the landscape mentally, I don't give a darn um, what the X's and O's are and even what the physical talent is. But if you don't understand the domain that these fighters, talking about you and all fighters, go into, if you don't understand that environment, well, then at the end of the day, you're not worth diddly squat because you could show somebody how to do something, but unless you understand the environment, and what that environment is and what it is that makes it difficult to execute that, you can't truly help that person. So anyway, I just wanted to start by saying that I recognize that you have that kind of person with you, Israel. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like I was... One thing that Eugene has always said, that was funny, is he still says it to the day, it's like, I might be the last normal trainer in the world. And we all laugh at it when he says that because <laughs> a lot of trainers are a bit... A bit loopy, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm a little bit loopy in some ways, but I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the kind words, um, TD. I, I understand, um, I understand what you're referring to. You, you, you have to do a certain amount of walking in these guys' shoes to truly get the best out of them, and I think that's overlooked by a lot of trainers, as they don't walk themselves in those shoes and they can't truly get the best out of their fighter. Um, ever because of it so I appreciate that Teddy thank you and they're not also former fighters themselves that's another thing or they're not constantly in that mind frame no I agree and getting to that Israel I I want to get right to it um, your last fight 
Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations, obviously. Uh, Thank you. In that, yeah, in that win against Costa. But everybody talked about the other guy might be too strong for you. You know, he had demolished a lot of guys. He had, uh, he'd been like a wrecking ball going through buildings, uh, you know, knocking stuff down. And there was a definitive fight plan and understanding. And to me, it was very similar. You might have heard me say this before, but to me, it was very similar to Ali with Foreman in Zaire. People actually thought Ali was in danger of losing his life. They they actually they actually went there. There were people around him. Matter of fact, it was funny because Ali's a special guy. Under extreme circumstances, he's calm and he could look around and he could say something with 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 uh, with a sense of humor that nobody would be able to say under those circumstances. He turned around as they were coming down the walkway into the arena or into the stadium. He said, "Hey, we're not going to a funeral here." <laughs> you know, I, uh, we're, we're, I'm winning this damn thing. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm winning this. We're not at a wake. So mm-hmm. what, what uh, the point I'm getting at is that when Ali fought Foreman, people thought that Foreman was just going to do what he'd done to everybody, physically impose himself on him. But Ali had a plan, and Ali beat him two ways. He wound up beating him physically, but he beat him mentally. He stood up to the bully. He understood that, that he just understood that premise, that a lot of what Foreman had done, and let me qualify this. Foreman's a special man. I'll say it again. Foreman is a special human being. What he did afterwards is extraordinary. He became a different person, a different fighter, and won a world title at 45 because of what he learned 10 years earlier. But he suffered for 10 years to become that guy. He exercised ghosts to become that guy. But that night in Zaire, he was taken advantage of. Yeah, he was the biggest, stronger guy, but that's all he was. And Ali was more than that. Ali was smarter. He had a plan. He he brought in the rope dope to allow him to to you know exhaust himself. But more importantly, he stood up to him. And I remember he called my mentor, Customato, before the fight. And he said, Cus, everybody's saying that this guy, you know, is a monster. He's gonna destroy me. You know, what do I do with this guy? And, you know, I gotta move, I gotta do. He said, No. He said, Everyone's going to think you're going to move around, you're going to do, and he thinks you're going to run from him. You go right out there when that bell rings, and you punch him in the mouth. That's what you do. You let him know that this night is different, that no, you're not going to bully somebody. You're in the schoolyard tonight with somebody who's going to stand up to you, and in a little while, you're going to be looking for the principal of the school, but he ain't going to be there. And, and, Actually. And so yeah. I want you to take it from there. That's what I saw. Facts. That's honestly like that was the narrative in my head going into this fight because, I mean, it's kind of public knowledge now, you know, moving from Nigeria to New Zealand as a young kid. I didn't even know I was black. I was just like, wait, what is this a thing? I knew I was black, but I didn't know it was a problem, you know? So I was bullied a lot. I was picked on a lot. And back then, I didn't have the skill that I do now or the will, you know, or the cajones. So in going into this fight, this guy was the quintessential 
representation of all the fuckboys I've dealt with coming up and the way he was, you know, antagonizing me on interviews, the way he was trying to flex constantly and whatnot. So the narrative in my head was that in this fight was to take the bite out of the bully. That's something my manager Ash actually said to me. And I already had that, like, oh, this is this is my chance to stand up to all my bullies when I couldn't back in the day. And yeah, I did that. I made sure like the first strike I hit, I let him know that you're in for a rude awakening. And I love that look in the second round, right before the second round, when I looked across the cage and I could see that look in his eyes, that it was this, it, the person that was there before the first round, gone. He was just like, what is happening? And everyone keeps trying to say like, oh, Costa should have stuck to his game plan, but they don't understand that. We took that away from him. And also one thing I want to allude to what you said as well, which is pretty powerful. And you said fear, you know, you said fear and using that to like anything glad, mad, sad. Those are all emotions and energies that you can use. And I learned that through therapy, learning how to emotion is different from feeling, learning how to raise the feeling of fear, you know, so you can heighten your senses, so you can be sharp, so you can see things coming. Not emotion, because I don't know this guy from a bar of soap. You know, <laughs> I don't care what he says about me. All what he said about me leading up to the fight didn't really affect me personally, because I don't know the guy. If Eugene or Brad or my parents say something about me, it affects me because I have emotional ties to those people. But this guy was just trying to antagonize me and bully me and all that. And I was like, cool. But for me, using that that fear, I like I like running into that fire and using it and harnessing it. And this fight, I felt like, it's the best I've ever used it in my life because of the work I've done with my, you know, my therapist and just myself. You know what it sounds like to me, Israel, and you couldn't have said it more eloquently, just more correctly, to be quite honest, um, because it's something that I teach with fighters for the last 45 years. It's the most mm. important element. You, through your, without being bullied, you wouldn't be where you are today. That's what Facts. I'm going to say. Yeah. And and you're the greatest thing you have besides the title. I think greater than your title, Ben. It, it's pretty damn good. And you're the title shit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. But the best thing you have is now you're in a special position to help other people, to to send a message, a lesson to other kids who have been bullied out there. And to me, that's that's your. I think that's your destiny, part of it, is to be a messenger where you can take this. There's too many kids out there being bullied. They commit suicide. I know some of them. It's horrible. And you can be something that very few people can be. You can be the person that lets them know what is really the truth behind this whole thing, that the reason a bully bullies you is because they're afraid. They're scared. And that there it is. And that you learned, the most valuable thing you learned, if I may say it for you, is that the other guy feels the same way you feel. <laughs> he, he, when you think you're the one feeling scared, he feels scared. That's why he's behaving this way. It's just that he's hiding it until it's not hidden anymore. Until you do not allow him. He's acting. To try because he's so scared, he figures that act will keep you away from finding out how scared, from unveiling him. 
from pulling the from pulling the curtain away from the Wizard of Oz. And <laughs> so you are special, and you're in a special place now to bring that message. And and I add one other thing to what you just said. Two things. One was you found out, and this is for all the people listening out there, all the kids out there, all the even if you're not a kid and you've been bullied, you've been intimidated, you've been held back because of those feelings, that the other person feels the same way, the same exact way. And as Israel just said, fear can be one of two things. It can either be your friend or your enemy. And you learn through your experience to make it your friend, to take everything that nature, God, whatever people believe in. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, whatever you believe in, that it's been put there for a reason. It's been put there to make you alert, to make you aware, to make you better. Not to make you less, to make you better, to use it when the moment is there to use it. If we didn't have fear, we wouldn't get through a day. We wouldn't walk across the damn street and get hit by a car. Why? Because we wouldn't be looking both ways to see if a car was coming because we wouldn't be afraid. So I just want to congratulate you um, on your success, but most importantly, on your understanding of things that can help others. Appreciate that. Thank you. Guys, want to take a minute to here to give a quick shout out to our newest sponsor. Very excited to have Manscaped on board. They're the official electric trimmer of UFC. Manscaped, not only the presenting sponsor of this podcast, but they're all, they also sponsor multiple UFC stars, including Max Holloway, our friend Francis Ngannou, and Sugar Sean O'Malley. I love this product. We reached out to these guys. We saw they were sponsoring a number of uh, MMA fighters and... Um, we reached out to them. I love the product. Super lightweight, very convenient, rechargeable. They're changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. The package includes their premier lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down below. For all our international listeners out there, and we've got a lot of them, they just launched they just launched their life-changing products in the UK, Australia, and Canada. So you guys are in luck. Time to hop on the Manscaped movement. Inside the Perfect Package 3.0, you'll, you'll get the Crop Preserver, deodorant for below the belt. It's anti-chafing and moisturizing. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a toner, which is an aloe vera-infused cologne for below the belt. For a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value add and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxers. These boxers are actually really cool. They're, they're probably worth the price of admission alone. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ATLAS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code ATLAS. And one other thing they offer on their um, on their website is a uh, aftershave uh it's it's actually one of my favorite products they sell. My wife loves it. Awesome smelling, masculine scent. Give them a shot. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code ATLAS. Eugene, one of the things that I wanted to just touch on that Izzy just mentioned was Costa didn't stick to his game plan. To me, I don't whatever his game plan was, as soon as he started getting kicked in the legs, there was no game plan. To me, there was just a punching bag. After about two minutes, I just saw a punching bag with absolutely no game plan. From a coach's perspective, what were you expecting, and was that the game plan, just to take the legs away right away? 
Yeah, well, well, funnily enough, like going back to what Teddy said, we never got to really find out, but our, a big part of our plan was not to get on our bike and run. A big part of our plan was to face this bully. We had, we were trying to draw, we had plans to draw him into stuff, to pull him onto some of our shots. Um, as it turned out, we didn't have to go to that part of our plan, but we weren't going to run from this bully. We were going to give him something different to what everybody else had given him. And no one had stood their ground. No one had stood up. And, and, and we never got to show that side of our strategy. But it comes back to what TD said. We were going to use that bully mentality to serve out, to, to, to better our purpose for our own purposes. So as it turned out, we didn't need to do that. Like we, we shut him down from, from that, from, we kept that fight in our range. We stopped him from um, advancing. He, uh, I said to Israel after the first round, I said, I'm not sure. I was a little bit perplexed. I was like, look, I think he's possibly putting, giving away these rounds and he's going to come on later in the fight Yeah, because he knows, because he knows he doesn't have the, the gas tanks to sustain five full rounds, which is a very risky strategy because yes. you're giving away rounds. But my instructions to Israel was, look, just keep accumulating damage and put these rounds in the bank. And when he starts to ramp up the heat, we'll, we'll deal with it. That, that's, what we, that's what we've trained for. We'll deal with it. That was basically my instructions. Yeah, it was masterful. I mean, you really just took him apart with those kick leg kicks, and it was interesting to see him mocking the leg kicks early. And then uh, Izzy, like you said, the expression on his face with after the first kick, where he was kind of like dismissing it to the beginning of that second round, was like, we oh call, my we god, we call that, we call that, we call that flattening the tire. Flatten the tire. We flatten the tire. You can't operate on on a, on on a, you know you can't operate on a car with uh, one or two flat tires. So that, yeah. that, was, that, that was our call. I call it I call it that too. By the way, <laughs> uh, take it air, take it air out of the tires. I gave us game plan away at the weigh-ins. I remember it because everyone became a body analysis expert, and I like to. This is where I after was after the weigh-ins. I found the first clip of you guys watching a gaslam fight, but I I just I like to surf the landscape and see. Because I know how to farm social media very well. And I saw the body analysis experts all saying that he's in my head. And I was like, huh? And I was saying, like, <laughs> I'm scared because when he was coming close and telling me to come, I kept on looking at the ground. What they failed to realize is I was looking at his feet, how they were planted, whether he was going to spring or whatever. But at the, at the weigh-ins, I saw he was going to give me a – I saw he had a black belt on his shirt, and I knew he was going to give me a white belt. So I was ready. And when he threw it at me, I grabbed it and I whipped his face with it. He flinched. <laughs> and he flinched. And then he got emotional. And you can see, you watch the tape again, you can see me just sitting there while Steve's holding me. And I was just like, what's up? And he's the one getting scared. And then he goes to Dana, I'm good. Come, come. I'm here, come. That right there was what let me know what his game plan is. He's not going to be able to get to me. He's not going to be able to close the distance or bridge. So what he's going to do, come, come. And what did he do in the fight? Come. I'm here. Oh, come on, easy. Come on. I, I was like, yo, yalla, Habibi, yalla, yalla, yalla. That's in Arabic. Like, let's go, let's go, Habibi. Like, you know, I was just speaking <laughs> in their native tongue to him. And there was times as well when I faked the leg kick and he'll jump back. And I'll, yep. I, I could tell he was scared. And then he'd either try and bridge against me, I'd do the footwork and I'd do something and he'd jump back. And I'm like, you're telling me I'm scared, but I'm not. You're doing the exact same thing. So I could see he was acting. Same with my last opponent before him, Romero, actors. 
These guys aren't, they, they're real fighters, don't get me wrong. I would not discredit them, but they're actors because they knew if they stepped in range with me, uh, uh, like I said, we, we already, you guys didn't understand. We had like different plans, plan A, B, C, D for these guys, for, for, for especially for Costa. So we didn't even have to go out of plan A. We just stuck to that because it was working. But yeah, these guys are actors because they didn't want it because they knew they were in trouble if they stepped within range. It's interesting that you pointed out the, um, the that you saw our, our analysis of the Gastelum fight because to me, as a casual fan of UFC watching that fight, I thought that that was by far your most challenging fight. And these other big giant bullies that were supposed to come in there and run you over you look like you just came out of a, a, a weightlifting session, your face. But after the gastulum fight, I mean, you got hit there. And I was like, man, I, yeah. Costa, Costa can crack if he cracks him like that. But it was like styles make fights. And, and the style, those bully styles just don't work against you. It's not only the styles, Ken. Let me say one thing. You're right, 100%. But it's the time of when you get that fight. The mm. time in your maturity. That's yeah. what it is. And to me, and I'm going to ask Eugene and Israel both this question. To me, that might have been your most formative fight. That might have been the fight that you found yourself, that mm -hmm. that you came to be. Is am I accurate? Yeah, I feel so. Yeah, I mean, you go, Eugene. yeah, we've well, we've grown a lot from that fight, from the experience of that fight. We grew exponentially just from that one fight, and that fight, um, like the the background to that fight. Um, let me let me tell you guys is that Israel's had over a hundred fights, and not in any single fight before that had I seen Israel's mentality tested to that degree. Not even close. Not even close. So the big thing we got from that fight was that when Israel is truly pushed to those to, to into those deep waters into that dark place is that he can triumph and we had we had evidence we had hard evidence that he could do that and that's the big thing that made us exponentially grow after that fight for me yeah yeah i that's why i named that fight eugene um for me that fight you found out about yourself yeah. that 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 was the fight that told you i belong here yeah. i can handle Whatever it is that comes in these top places, I'm. I can rely on myself. I can trust myself. I'm the guy I need to be, and you kind of just uh, verified that for me. That there's always a fight again. That you find yourself. Maybe your skills never get any better. It's not, but you learn that you can use them in difficult environments. You know that you could depend on yourself. It's tremendously comforting as a trainer too, because you don't you don't ever wish for your fighter to be pushed to those limits. You know, you kind of want to get in, get paid, you know, get out, get laid, sort of thing. <laughs> but but it's what's tremendously satisfying is that if you know that your fighter has been there, and you know that they can work through that adversity, whereas. We never had that test before. I had, I hadn't seen it. I only thought I knew about it. But now, moving forward, it's tremendously um, beneficial for me to know that, you know, my fighter can go to a place that um, not many people can. A hundred percent, and and for him, even more important for him to know. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that. They think that fighters automatically know. They don't know till they know.
Yeah. You don't know how far you can swim. That's true. Yeah. You don't know you don't know how, how much how, how how far you can swim till you're in the ocean or something like that. A hundred percent. I was in there and I remember before the fight, because Eugene, this is the after the fourth round, because in the fourth round I got rocked with a head kick. I held my composure. He didn't realize I was hurt. Tried to take me down and then failed. And in the fifth, right before the uh, in, in, in the corner, Eugene was like, this is what we train for. We've been here many times in training. And he gave me the speech. And I listened. And Brad, I remember my teammate Brad said, um, go numb, bro. Embrace the darkness. Because on the bike, he's always, he's always yelled that at me as well on the Airdyne bike. And I looked across the cage at Kelvin and I could see him. And I swear, he looked like Ese Diablo. That's how I could see him. And I had my game face on as well. So I was, And I looked at him and I said, you're not going to beat me. I'm prepared to die. And I, that's scary. Every time I say it, I still get chills every time I say it because I meant that. What a glorious death. What a way to go out, you know? And that's something that most people only dream of. But when I said that, in that fifth round, Teddy, I was trying to kill him. I don't, I'm not mincing words and I'm, I'm not, not that I'm trying to kill him. I was trying to finish him. Like if something, God forbid, I'm glad he was all right, but if something bad had happened to him in that fight, I would have been okay because I was ready to give my life up. And it's, it's scary for me to say, but I found a new self. I found like a, you, the confidence that I could do that. Same thing. That fight did for me. This last fight did for me. And a lot of people are scared about that. They're scared about that because they know what that momentum feels like. They know what that avalanche feels like. It's hard to stop an avalanche. When it gets going, you can't stop it. So, like, that fight did that for me, and this last fight did that for me in the sense of that momentum and that confidence. Like, I know I belong. I know we're here. We're supposed to be here. You you embraced a code, mm. a code of behavior, a code of living that is a warrior's code. You, maybe I go further and say, a lot of people are going to say, gee, you know, I don't know. But a spiritual code where, Facts. yeah, I mean, I understand it. And that is what you're trying to get to, where you, you embrace that kind of behavior, that kind of belief. Cuss once told me that there were only two fighters he knew that had that supreme confidence. That was Cuss's word. Supreme confidence. I wish you were here. You could adjust my neck too because I, <laughs> I, have, to, I have to do it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's important. It helps. But I, because said, Teddy, when you have that supreme confidence, it's a knowledge that you can go to the darkest places and have a light. That's it. You can go to the darkest places, the caverns of yourself, and there's nothing darker than ourselves. You can go to the darkest places of yourself, and you can have that light, that lantern of truth, of truth, that you can get through it. Not only can get through it, you will get through it, because it was always your destiny to go to this place. It was always going to be. Sooner or later, that was the mission. That was the whole, what it was all about. Getting ready to go to that place that others won't go to, can't go to. And he told me there was two fighters that had that supreme confidence. Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Robinson. And there's very few that have it, and you have it. And I'm going to add one other thing. I've 
Well, it's my pleasure because the truth is pretty obvious and it's for me it's pretty clear. You also and Eugene, when when one of the things that's a prerequisite to being in this business is you got to be tough. If you're not tough, you know what? I I think maybe Cush used to tell me you should go sell Italian ISIS on the uh, on a mm. corner somewhere. Uh, like that that's something you should have. But what makes you tough is when you're smart, and that's what makes you tough, and that's part of what made you tougher with Costa. There was no contest because you're both tough. Yeah, I'm not taking nothing away from the other guy. You're both tough, but when one guy's smart, bang. That's him. He's twice, three times as tough because he doesn't have to depend only on that. Mm. He, can, he can depend on other things, whether you want to call it science, whether you want to call it technique, whatever. But he can be much more than just a tough guy. And sometimes, sometimes, tough, I know this is going to be tough for some people, but sometimes being tough is sort of a way of hiding, of being only tough. Because mm. you, you can say, see, I, I, was, I went in there and I took punches and I went in. And, but you didn't face what you had to face. You weren't tough in a mental way where you could control yourself and be more than just tough. You, you, you gave, there, there's a certain submission there. And I know a lot of people aren't going to understand it. They're going to say, mm -hmm. what are you talking about, Ted? But when it's almost, it's almost an excuse. It's it's almost a way of, as I said, hiding where you're just tough. I'm gonna go out there and just go take the. But being tough means being smart. Being smart under that environment, under those circumstances, in in that kind of realm, takes discipline, takes belief, takes control. It takes a mental toughness. To be able to say, no, no, I'm not just going to walk in and take part. No. Sometimes, again, that's a way of hiding. To when face they say what someone's you have tough, to face. When they say to, someone's yeah. tough, it just means they get hit a lot. That's what I, that's what I hear. So oh, he's but, a tough guy. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm talking about is a toughness mentally where you can use the physical skills that you've been taught that you need to use not to depend only on the toughness. And to be able to do this, it takes a certain amount of facing something to say no. Because it's easier to run in and say, hey, give me my badge of courage. I was tough. And you know what? Everyone's going to applaud me for that. It, it takes a special person to be also tough enough to control that behavior and be more than just a bull in a china shop. To be a guy that also can control himself under those circumstances enough to be able to have that kind of an advantage. And yeah. you were that. I, I remember Salvador Sanchez was a great, great Mexican. He came from Mexico. He was a great fighter, great fighter. Uh, unfortunately, he died way too young in a car accident. And he was fighting a fighter named Danny... Indian Red Lopez. I love Lopez. Oh, my God. He was one of my favorites. This is a kid that was so tough, Israel, Eugene. I mean, this is a kid who was so poor, he used to eat sugar sandwiches when he was a kid. And the oh, reason shit. he ate... 
Yeah, and the reason he ate sugar sandwiches was the sugar would kill his appetite because that's all he was going to have. And this guy won a world title. Great right-hand puncher, but he took a lot of punches. He, he out-toughed everybody. But then one night he fought a guy named Salvador Sanchez. And you know what? Nobody never knew. I don't think they ever knew how tough Sanchez was. You know why? Because he was so smart. He was tough. He, he came from a dark place too, but he was also smart. And he went in that night and he used his smartness like you did. And he, and he never got touched. Lopez, as tough as he was, it didn't mean anything. The other guy was tougher than him because he was smarter than him. And I just, I just look at you and I see, I see those elements. I see those abilities. And I just wanted to say that. And you speak four languages. You are awful smart. <laughs> nah, I used to. I used to. I speak only two now. <laughs> I, 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 I 100% agree with you, Teddy. There's a, that's a special kind of toughness. It's a different kind of toughness to the one that everybody, everybody thinks about when they think about toughness. But just to elaborate on that, there's, there's only been one time in – Israel's career where he went away from that toughness and he decided to go towards the other type of type of toughness mm. and it's the only mm. other fight it's the only fight and the only time he's been knocked out completely and that was because the fight before that he had a very close decision loss which most most people thought he won and then we faced an opponent that we also, many years before, lost a very close decision to. So instead of backing that toughness that you're talking about, the toughness of discipline, of sticking to a game plan, he decided he would be tough and try and exchange with this guy and make the result definitive. And we were winning that fight right up until the last 30 seconds. We were... Rocked him even. We rocked him in a second. We, were, we, had, him, we had him going back... But it was because Israel took that different mentality on, he got caught with a left hook, I believe, or left mm -hmm. or right left hook. hook. And, yeah, and, and and that's the only fight he's ever lost by 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 KO. And it 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 goes to stand for that for the story and the, that you're exactly trying to tell now. So, uh, it was but hey, guess who's still calling who out though? Guess who's still calling who out? <laughs> <laughs> you knocked me out, but you're yeah. still calling me out. Who's really yeah. winning? Yeah. And let me you know, you guys are very, let me say one thing. Thank you for saying that. I, I don't know from what I've, from what I've researched to get ready for this interview, I'd never heard that before. So first of all, thank you. For, what can I say except you're honest people? And that's, that's a toughness right there. Being able to be honest, being able to face things. There's a toughness to that. And there's a, obviously a class to that. Uh, we need more of those people in this world. But um, I just appreciate you guys, and I appreciate you, Eugene, for for telling us that because that's something, again, I think this guy sitting right in front of me is, again, a, a guy who can be more than just a great fighter. He, he can be a messenger with the bullying, with a lot of things, and that's one of the things and one of the messages that he can bring forward. I, I'm going to add one thing. I remember, I'm not even going to mention who it was, but there was a fight, and I'm doing the, 
I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I, I either did the broadcast of it or I did the setup of it on Sports Center for the for the fight. I'm not sure, but anyway, I remember when this guy went out there and did what Israel was just showing. You know, wow, 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 wow. You know, he just came out and everybody said, "Oh, wow." Look at the heart. Look at the toughness. And look, no doubt about it. Anyone gets in the ring, they got heart. But he said, look at the toughness. Look look at the deter. Look at the, the confidence. Look at the Look at that. And, you know, and then he got knocked out. <laughs> and I said, and it wasn't greatly received at the moment, but I said, that wasn't toughness. That was a guy out of control. That was a guy who was not controlling what we all have. I don't care who we are. We all have fear. Anyone who says they don't have fear, you know what? You either should, you either a liar or you should go to a doctor to find out what's the matter <laughs> because something's missing. Something's wrong. And you know what, son? You might need a little help. <laughs> but everyone has fear. Without fear, like I said earlier, we wouldn't get through a day. But... You have to, it's your, you learn through life the tools. You're given the tools and the experiences to learn how to control it. To take it and put it over here. And basically say, hey, buddy, watch me perform tonight. Watch me perform. Check me out. You're going to be proud. Watch me. And give me everything you got. <laughs> give me everything you got. Give me the quickness. Give me the edge. The alertness, give me all of it because I'm going to use the heck out of it. And on this particular night, the fear was there, but this guy didn't control it. He allowed it to control him. He allowed it to get things over with, to run into things, to get, it wasn't what it's supposed to be and what it is now in Israel's life. Um, and it's, it's now obviously, it's kind of like taming a lion. You got a lion that is ferocious, but then you tame it and the lion will do what you want it to do. And to me, that's fear. And that's something that Israel has learned. And it's a great, great, great ally. And to go along with everything else you have, it's, um, it makes for a great fighter. I'm motivated. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you, Teddy. No, it's my Izzy, one of the things you mentioned about coming to um coming from Nigeria, it, it's it's crazy how many um great fighters have come from Nigeria right now. You're part of a three part three man like Murderer's Row with Kamaro Usman, Anthony the Joshua. Murderer's Row. That's it. The Murderer's <laughs> he, he Row. He used to tell me about that back in the day. He used to tell me about the four men, the Black Murderer's Row. Oh, you Leonard and who, oh, I can't remember now. Well, yeah, you're, you're part Billy. of your own African murderer's role, specifically Nigeria. What's the reception been like in Nigeria, and how often do you get back there? Uh, I went back there last year, and it was beautiful, man. Like, And that was before it even blew up even more. But from the airport, when I went back there, all the area boys, all the police officers, like, I did saw ya. He's right, I saw ya. Oh, my God. And they just <laughs> showing you love, man. It's crazy. But now if I go back there, bruh, because they stay up to 4 a.m. to watch me fight. And this yeah. fight was 
pumped up. It was pumped up. They built it up. They they had billboards and uh, kiosks with advertisements, advertising the fights on different satellite networks. And yeah, like I've always said, I wanted to, I want to be like what Manny Pacquiao was to the Philippines when he fought. He shut the whole country down. Yep. He shut the whole country down. Crime rates went down. Everything. Everyone stopped and watched the fight. That's what I want to do for Nigeria. I want when I fight, the whole country shuts down, shuts down. And even like, yeah, it's just, I love my people. I love, I, I love where I come from, but it's just a lot of, like right now there's this, this police brutality, the SARS right now, just killing youth over there. And there's a movement and SARS that they're trying to get the president Buhari to get rid of right now, which is good. But yeah, we have a lot of problems and we are our own biggest problems, but we're beautiful people. And I, I love my people. And I love going back for the food. That's another thing. Oh God, I love. Last time I was in Nigeria, I didn't. I was. You know that feeling where you're like, I'm hungry. I need to go eat. I never felt that once. <laughs> I was just eating. I was just eating, bro. And I, I, and that's one thing I was doing as well before the before, during the weigh-ins because I get to eat properly. Shout out to the fight dietitian. He's a guy that looks after me during my weight cuts. Now that I do it properly over the last two years, because back in the day we were doing some dumb shit. But, <laughs> but like. But but um yeah, during the weight cuts, I like to watch uh, Mark Wins and other foodies on YouTube who go around the world and travel different and, and taste different foods. And man, I can't wait till this whole Corona bullshit's over, just because I want to go back <laughs> to Nigeria and chop life, man. I want to chop life. Yeah, I I love seeing it. I mean, Nigeria not just not just a murderous row of fight fighters, but Nigeria has some incredible track and field athletes as well. Incredible sprinters, yeah. just very athletic people. But um, I want to talk to you about what's next. I see uh, obviously on your social media what it seems to be next, but I, I just can't see. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about John Jones, but what do you can, think of the chance can, of this I, fight I, getting I, made? I stated the date. This is this is a thing. You, I said Canelo, Canelo. Fought Mayweather too early, and they 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 played it smart. This is the thing I'm talking about with momentum. They see what's happening. John's been in this exact position. You have to understand this. So after the Gaslam fight, he had one with um Gustafson. Mine was better. Yeah. But and he 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 rose to the occasion. He knows the confidence that gives you, and he's had dominating performances. He knows the confidence that gives you this confidence that I get from this last fight. He knows, and they've been trying to get me for the last three fights. They want to get me early. Because they know the the potent the it's called exponential growth, and with a coach like Eugene, bro, I'm growing like crazy, like crazy. You have not just myself, our whole team. This quarantine that we had before in this camp, like everyone leveled up. Before that, it was like you 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 have a good sparring or a bad sparring, but this you'd have a good round or a bad round with the same person twice because everyone's just that good. And yeah, he he understands what's happening, so he's trying to shut it down quickly, like Mayweather the Canelo. But I told you guys, I said it already. I think on uh, Kevin Aoli's show or Ariel Hawani, one of them, I said it was 2021 Raiders Stadium, Las Vegas International Fight Week, and no one's gonna force me to move my hand. No one ever has. No one ever will. I write my own story and I write it with, with my own pen, not another man's. What is your? What do you walk around at uh, when you're not in fight camp? What's your natural weight? Like let's say 93, 90, 93, 92 kgs. If I'm if I if I'm in the gym, if I'm out of the gym, like Christmas time, maybe ninety five or ninety four point eight. That's uh, around two hundred five, two ten type yeah. weight. Yeah. Okay, so two hundred five. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put muscle on. Like for me, if when I go to heavy uh, like heavyweight or heavyweight, because I've done it, bro. I beat Brian Minto in boxing. Did you guys know that? Yes, I yeah, knew I, that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, like, I've been, I've been a heavyweight in kickboxing. I've been a heavyweight in boxing. I'm going to do it in MMA. And, yeah, size does matter but if you know how to use it. Same thing with punches. Costa, yeah, I said everyone has power. Fucking Ken, Teddy, you have power. I wouldn't let you just punch me in the face square <laughs> because that's dumb. But I'm telling you, everyone has power, but can you, can you use it? All the punches and combos you do on the pads, they don't mean shit if you don't even know how to bridge the gap. If you don't even know how to bridge the gap, how are you going to land those punches? Like you see them. And one thing I watched as well before the fight, it was a little snippet on Instagram of their um, of their sparring. And I was looking at the sparring partners he brought in. And I was like, the only thing that they have close to me is just they're, they're tall as well. But they all fight like him. They're all just in there and toughness. Toughness. How tough are you? You know what I mean? They're backwards. But yeah, I mean, all the combos you can throw in the pads don't mean shit if you can't bridge the gap. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you're 100% right. If I mean, you can be the stronger physical guy, but in this business, last I checked, we're not picking up our opponent over our head and doing, uh, doing lifts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last I checked, we're not doing a military press. So, uh, again, you could be the stronger guy, but what's real strength? What is real strength? What is real strength? And and it's exactly what we've been talking about for the last half hour. Whatever, that's real strength. And you can have all the power in the world, but if somebody doesn't allow you to be in position to use it, it means nothing at all. You do that really well, and that's <laughs> I, again. I wish we were here. <laughs> when I get, My if I been, been teaching me, but don't worry. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> I'll tell you one of the sayings my mentor Customato had, and some of our listeners have heard it before, where he used to always drill into my head being a young trainer, Teddy, Teddy, listen, I don't give a darn how much power a guy has unless you teach him a delivery system, a way to get the power to the mm. target. It's it's of no it's like a bomb in the military. Without a missile to convey it to the target, it has no military value. All it's gonna do is blow up and make a big hole in the ground and when it rains, everyone could go swimming. <laughs> and <laughs> and that was Cus's way of saying, teach them how to use that power, how to get it to the target, and teach your fighter how to avoid being the target where he doesn't allow somebody to have that missile. Now, I want to say one other thing. Lomachenko, to me, the best boxers in, I don't know your list, but for me, the best boxers right now in boxing is Lomachenko, Crawford, and uh, Nue. Uh, he's pretty good from Japan. Uh, obviously, Canelo's up there. Yeah, you have you have a couple top guys, Lomachenko and Crawford for me, being the two top guys. Lomachenko has the best legs in boxing, yeah. and there's and for me, you might have the best legs in your sport, and. One of the, it's not. I was just. Well, you. I guess you read my mind. You read my mind. I told you you're very smart. I told you you're very smart. Yeah, you. You got me. You beat me to the punch. <laughs> you got me. Lomachenko's father made him take off time early in his career to do traditional dance, and he didn't like it. To be honest, he didn't like it, but he did it. 
And because of it, he's got the best legs in boxing. You also did dance. Um, is it part of the reason? Did you do it for the same reason that Lomachenko and his father did it? To have better legs in your sport or let us know. No, not not really. I was just dancing because it looked cool and it was fun <laughs> and it was something for me to express myself. Like I did Taekwondo as a kid and I loved kicking, but um, I never really pursued it past that because my mom took me, she took me out of it before I got my yellow belt because I was breaking shit in the house. But um, <laughs> for me, dancing was just a way to express myself. And I've done, I was popping, I started off with then b-boying, then I went to hip hop and then crump and I can do it. I can do contemporary. I can tap. I can, I, I can, I can copycat, as they say, Luke C. Do. Two seconds. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can, I can, I can be a copycat, if you will. I'm able to, I'm able to see things happen and, and replicate them. So, um, yeah, even like the, the 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 finishing sequence in the Whitaker fight, and and this last fight, this one wasn't as much, but the Whitaker fight, I was here. When I hooked him, I was I was what people might say traditionally is out of position, but my feet were planted, and that's that's from my background in crump, being able to be out of position and still gain control of my body. The offbeat, the timing. There was a bit in this fight where I there's a bit in this fight where you can see I'm starting to have fun. I even told Eugene in the back because I, I, before you got on, I said to Eugene in the back before we walked out, I grabbed him by the shoulder, and I was like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember this, Eugene." I was like, "Hey, believe in me." And he said, I believe in you. I already believe in myself, but I just wanted to hear it from him. And then that was it. But then I said, I want to have fun in this fight. Let's be systematic and buy the book. We're going to have fun. And there was a bit in this fight where I was bouncing. I'll share it after this, actually. I'll share it on Instagram after this, where I was bouncing. And I could just see the smile on my face and I could feel the fun. And I was trapping his hand and I switched uh, to Orthodox Tita's leg. And I put my feet back down and offbeat jabbed him. And he didn't even know it was coming. Like, it was just, it was probably like a six, seven second sequence. But I just, you watch my face in that sequence. I was just having fun. And that's what it's about, man. Dancing is fun. Fighting is fun. Training can be fun. But, you know, there's <laughs> those days. There's those days. But it's just about having fun. And that was the reason why I danced. But I'm glad I did because, hey. Never give a sword to a man who can't dance. <laughs> I told Rob I love watching the dance videos, and I have a ten-year-old daughter from Ethiopia, and you're Yo. her favorite fighter because she loves watching the <laughs> dance. And when you danced and did the windmill on Costa after he's like getting tended to by the medical staff, and you're doing the windmill over there, she was like, "Dad, should he wait for the guy to make sure he's okay?" I said, "Oh, so everyone has their own style." But I like what yeah. you no, said I mean, about. Like, I texted Costa after the fight, low key. I was trying to hit him up low key and just be like, "Hey, is your leg okay?" And I said to him like, "Well, you were disrespectful before the fight." It's on my Instagram, the screenshot. I saw because he came out saying, "I want to kill you. I want to kill you." But I was yeah. like, I, "I checked on him because I I know what it's like to be on the other side. I know what that plane ride is like home when you lose." I saw some fighters on the plane ride home, and I saw how they were, and I was glad. Like, I still have to remind myself when I wake up sometimes, like soak this wind embrace it because they don't you know like sometimes i in the past i'm rambling here in the past i like used to just forget about the wind and just write what's next but after now as i'm older embrace the wind and really take it in so, so i don't want to be on that other side but yeah i mean i told him if you were distressed you would if you were respectful i would be respectful back but now i have to use you to make an example i have to make an example out of you and that's what i intend to do 
Yeah. Well, I liked what you said when you when you earlier when you said you moved from Nigeria and you didn't know you were black. My daughter is hyper aware that she's different. So anytime yeah. I can like tell give her role models to look at and, and, and emulate, she loves it. I tell her, look at you're as cool as you think you are. If you think you're the best dancer, you're the best dancer. And the way you carry yourself in the ring is like there's very few people, and I, we mentioned this earlier, I mentioned this before we started recording, like Conor McGregor is another example. You just believe, if you t say something, like, I just believe that he's gonna, that you're going to do it. Like, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I believe you because you keep doing what you say you're going to do. You know what you were saying, like, Acosta earlier was, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. Well, I realize you're going to try to, but are you going to be able to do that? You know what I mean? There's like certain guys, when they say something, you believe him, like Muhammad Ali. Oh, I, oh, he's saying, oh, he, my, he's probably going to do it. He usually if says, "If you know, you do. know." Yep. If you know, you know, and it's like a method to the madness. I like a lot of people don't do that, especially in, in the culture that we live in in New Zealand. A lot of people don't put themselves out there. You know, in the national rugby team, they're very reserved. A lot of the athletes, you know, that I know of, they're very reserved because they, they don't want to put themselves out there in case they fail. But for me, the method to my madness is: if I say it, I have to do it because then I'll look stupid. Yep. So I'll do everything in my power, everything in my power to ensure that happens. And yeah. Hey guys, before we wrap things up, just want to give a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Manscaped. Check them out at manscaped.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 20% off and free shipping with your first order. Again, these guys are the official electric trimmer of the UFC. They're sponsoring guys like Max Holloway, our friend Francis Ngannou, and Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, Manscaped's changing the grooming game with their perfect 3.0 package. The perfect package includes their premier lawnmower, the ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down below. The thing includes a bunch of different perks. You get uh, the cologne, the, um, the moisturizer, the toner. You also get two free gifts with the order. You get the shed travel bag, it's a $39 value, and the patented the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxers. These boxers are actually really good. Um, again, check them out at manscaped.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 20% off and free shipping on your first order. Well, guys, listen, we want to be sensitive to your time. Uh, I'm sure you're on a schedule. We're sparring next. Uh. <laughs> That's not much of a We're break if you're going to already start sparring. I mean, the we, the fight was nah, about a few hours ago. One of our teammates. Ah, uh, gotcha. One of our teammates who's got a fight coming up, so we want to help him out. That's Carlos Alberg, so yeah, I want to help him out. I love the team atmosphere you're building over there, Gene, Eugene. Congratulations on all the successes. It's fun to watch. Seems like you got yeah, a really good group. Go to what you have to do. And again, you're both gentlemen, you're champions. You're special people. We appreciate you. Um, and continue your journey. Uh, please, Israel, where you continue to help yourself and your family, but you're able to bring something to these people that need it, an awareness yeah. and an understanding of where they are and how they can get out of it uh, when it comes to the bullying and those dark places. So... Thanks for being special. Thanks for, you know, just being a good person. And uh, thank right, you man. for Thanks. taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for being special. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate that. Thank Thanks you, for having guys. us. And thanks. This is fun. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, thank great. you. Thank you, thank Eugene. You. All right, Never guys. seen Eugene smile this much talking to anyone. <laughs> 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 so,
Yeah, hi, Brad. Big fan of the podcast. Big fan of the podcast. Well, as soon as this COVID is over, we're going to have to get together with you guys in person when you're in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, guys.